We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Friday night after Wolves lose in Phoenix on the second night of a road, road back to back. Final score tonight was Wolves 124, Suns 134. I thought all things considered, this was a pretty fun one. It was a back to back. No Patrick Beverly again. D'Angelo Russell missed tonight's game with his shin contusion. But even with that, I thought the game was competitive when I don't think that was necessarily the expectation. Made it interesting to watch. And with that, on tonight's show, we'll we'll talk about what it was like to get a look at Anthony Edwards playing point guard for the Wolves without Beverly, without D'Lo. It was a loss, but Ant had 27 points and a career-high 10 assists. We'll also, tonight, again, need to talk about the three-point defense for the second straight game. The Wolves' opponent shot over 50% from deep. And I'd also... On this show, I'd like to take a, a second, you know, after this back-to-back against Golden State and Phoenix to kind of think about what a playoff series might look like against either of these teams. And and then on top of that, we'll also just hit on some other notes and stuff. Good nights from Torian Prince and Malik Beasley off the bench for the Wolves. But let's start tonight with Ant. Uh, like I said, 27 points, career-high 10 assists for him. His career-high in assists before tonight was 7 the Wolves won the 37 and a half minutes Edwards played tonight by six, and they lost the 10 and a half minutes when Edwards was on the bench by 16. Credit to Ant, but also kind of an indictment of the Wolves' depth tonight when they were playing without both D'Lo and Pat Bev. I mean, it was going to be a thin point guard night no matter what, and and so to that end, Finch just leaned more and more into point Ant as the night went along. Initially, Jalen Noel starts... Jordan McLaughlin was mixed back into the rotation mix tonight, but the best extended stretches of this game was when Ant was the clear-cut point guard. There there was a run in the second quarter where it was Nas, Vanderbilt, Prince, and McDaniels out there next to Ant. Obviously, Edwards is the point guard there, and that group, just over that seven-minute little stretch, they they brought the game back close. They actually took the lead for... For a second, they, they they won those seven minutes by six points, and it was it was with Ant uh, running the show. You know, I I think with this game and having watched Ant play point guard, I think the question is whether or not Ant at point is something that could be 
used even when the wolves are at full strength. Well, I'm kind of intrigued by it, but but Ant was asked uh, about it after the game, and apparently he's uh, he's not all about the point guard duties. Here's Ant. Yeah, uh, D'Lo is, is needed because I don't like bringing the ball up the court. <laughs> yeah, I don't like initiating offense. Not at all, yeah. Does it take a lot of energy, a lot of focus? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because yeah, it's like I'm a scorer first, so I'm not initiating the offense. That means I got to get him in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Instead of just being in the corner, coming off, getting the ball and scoring it. So it's definitely different. I think that checks out. Probably, you know, the best use of point ant is situational, right? Use it when having a bigger lineup makes sense or is necessary against an opponent. I mean, the numbers this season coming into tonight, Certainly do not like the Ant at point minutes. Coming in this game, according to Cleaning the Glass, Ant had played 132 minutes this season at point guard, 996 minutes at shooting guard, and 351 minutes at small forward. When he's played point, the Wolves have a net rating of minus 23.2 on the year. When he's played shooting guard, the Wolves' net rating is plus 3.6. And when he's played small forward, the Wolves' net rating is plus 18.5. So those numbers clearly point to what position he's been better at this year. But I think those numbers also require some context. Like the best position statistically is small forward, but we know a lot of that is driven by the Wolves starting five, having an awesome net rating, right? And when Ant is in that starting lineup and they're at full strength, he's playing next to D'Lo and Pat Bev there at small forward. You know, that's a signal that Ant's good there, but also, you know, a boost by the best surrounding group he ever plays with. Shooting guard is still positive, but a little less so. And I think that's more a product of the fact that he plays shooting guard in more kind of broken lineups, right? Like there are a lot of the minutes where D'Lo is off the floor and guys like McDaniels or Prince or even Beasley come in and more so fill that small forward role. And then point ant has almost exclusively happened in the super broken situations. Like when Ant came back from COVID first and was playing without pretty much any of the starters or a situation like tonight where both D'Lo and Pat Bev are out. So I think think the context of those positions is a lot about who he's surrounded by. So, I mean, tonight wasn't broken. It it, it went well. So I'm I'm not going to let those numbers that scream point Ant is a bad idea totally convinced me with that context. I think Ant as a point guard is something that could evolve over time. Right? We've seen Ant constantly be evolving over this year and a half. And, you know, maybe initiating the offense kind of evolves in a way that his shooting has evolved this season, right? We're now at the point where, you know, Ant is stringing together an exceptional run of shooting. The, the questions related to his jumper coming out of college are just kind of seeming silly at this point. If you look at over the last 13 games, Edwards has made 41% of his threes and 57% of his twos. I mean, he's becoming a jump shot maker. I mean, those are way, way above league average numbers, and he's doing it on heavy volume. I mean, those 13 games, Ant's shooting nearly 10 threes per game. Jace Frederick asked Ant tonight if it feels, it feels good to have been right about his jumper. And I, I thought this answer from Ant was great. Personally, how does how good does it feel knowing that you were right about your jump shot, and like everybody else, probably did underestimate it. Um, I don't even know, man. I, 
to be honest, I don't I don't really get into it. It's just people say I couldn't shoot. That's cool. But I always tell people I think different. Like even when they said I couldn't shoot coming out of college, I always tell people I can shoot. I can shoot the ball with the best of them, if you ask me. Now you're doing it. Yeah, for sure. For the season, Ant is now shooting 37% from three, 52% from two. Really high usage and a true shooting percentage that is above league average. I mean, whatever position he's been playing, you know, offensively, Edwards has, you know, just become an offensive force. It's the defensive side of the ball tonight. That was the drop-off. The Wolves, again, got absolutely torched from deep. The Warriors shot 58% from three on Thursday, and the Suns made 51% of their threes tonight. I mean, that's just nuts. That's going to be that's going to be hard to beat. And I do not think that the three-point variance argument works here. I, I don't think the Wolves just got unlucky that those that the Warriors and Suns made some threes. I mean, you watch these two games, and the Wolves clearly got picked apart for open three-point looks in different ways by Golden State and Phoenix, but it was... I mean, their defense got punctured. Chris Finch attributed tonight's breakdowns to a lack of ability to control the point of attack. And that with Chris Paul or Devin Booker, whoever it might have been, that just led to easy drive and kicks for clean three-point looks for shooters. It's the point of attack that has been what's broken down other times this year when the Wolves' defense is dipped. And the easy thing to point to here over this most recent stretch, and I think it's justified, is not having Patrick Beverly be able to play and defend the point of attack when he's out there. If you include the Atlanta game, where Beverly got hurt in the first quarter, so that was basically a game he was out, like, the Wolves' three-point defense has been really bad for five straight games, all of without Beverly. We combine the Atlanta game, the Brooklyn game, the Portland game, and these last two games against Golden State and Phoenix, and the Wolves have allowed those five opponents to combine, make 45.3% of their threes. I mean, 45% on 192 total three-point attempts over five games. I don't know. To me, that that's not really variance. I think that's defense that's not going to cut it. The Wolves ranked 29th in the league in defense over the past 10 days. And only the, the Kings, who are just really a mess right now, have a worse defense over that stretch. But at the same time, like, the Wolves are two and three over those five games. And that's because the Wolves have the best offense in the NBA over the past 10 days. It's just about recalibrating that balance between the offensive defense. All right, let's take a quick break here and come back to talk about some other things on my mind after tonight's game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back talking about the Wolves' 10-point loss to Phoenix on Friday night and reflecting just kind of on this mini road trip against Portland, Golden State, and Phoenix this week. I think those are three interesting opponents, right, in the in the context of the playoffs. Like, we're setting odds. Those might be the three teams the Wolves are most likely to play in the playoffs this year, right? If the Wolves do end the season as the seventh seed, I mean, Portland might be their most likely playing opponent as the 10th seed. And I think given how the Wolves have taken care of Portland in Portland twice this season, as a Wolves fan, I think you got to feel pretty good about that matchup for the Wolves to be able to win and move into the actual playoffs. And at that point, if they were the 7th seed or, and won the playing game, they would go into the actual playoffs uh, matched up against the 2 seed. And in the first round, that would likely be Phoenix or Golden State. And to me, I think that leads to an interesting question, like which one of Phoenix or Golden State would be a better first-round matchup for the Wolves? Again, we're, we're, we're just running like the, the seven-seed hypothetical here. Memphis is currently the three-seed, and we've talked on here before about how I think the Grizzlies would be a way better matchup for this Wolves team than Phoenix or Golden State or even Utah would be. But let's just let's just pretend the two options are Phoenix or Golden State. You know, who do you prefer? I posed this question on Twitter, and 59% of you, when I checked it, said uh, you'd rather face Phoenix than Golden State. And that that surprised me a little bit. I, I guess I'm kind of torn. Uh, obviously, either would be tough. But I, I think for me, I'd take Golden State. You know, as, as weird as it sounds to, I guess, proactively select a Steph Curry matchup, I just... I just think Phoenix is hard to puncture. I think we saw that tonight. The, the Suns are nothing if they're not consistent. And it's a, you know they don't have a lack of star power either. I mean, you're going from Steph in one matchup to Chris Paul and Devin Booker in the other. I mean, that's not exactly a big star player drop-off. It was kind of hard to try and find statistical arguments to make here. Um, I mean, so much of a playoff series, I guess, is just matchups, health, how you're playing. But I found one stat that that I think um, sticks out and and is an argument to be made for preferring to play the Warriors over the Suns. And it's it's that the Suns 
very rarely turn the ball over. They're fifth in the league in turnover rate. And the Warriors turn it over all the time. Only Houston has turned the ball over more than Golden State this year, and that's not exactly a high bar. And with the Wolves, if there's one thing we know about this team when it gets going, it's nothing inspires it to get going more than generating turnovers does, right? Getting out and running. If the Wolves or if the Warriors are punting the ball around, the Wolves can use that as, you know, a way to offensively balance the scales against Steph. I mean, ultimately, the preference is to draw someone other than Phoenix or Golden State. I think those two teams are pretty clearly in a a class of their own in the Western Conference. I mean, this is why getting the sixth seed, skipping the play-in altogether is so important. It's it's, it's not just skipping the play-in. It's not having to play Phoenix or Golden State. But if that doesn't end up happening, and the Wolves are the seventh seed or even the eighth seed, and however it were to shake out, I think I'd choose Golden State. Ant tonight wasn't asked specifically about playing these teams in the playoffs, but he did reflect in his post game on the difficulties of playing Golden State and playing Phoenix. Here's Ant. Yeah, both games, who's in it? Fourth quarter, late down the stretch. Um, I mean, I think we kind of see like next time we play them, we see like, okay, we know how to. The Warriors is very hard to play, like all the slips and the screens and all the shooters on the floor, but playing them tonight. Number 23, shoot the ball like it's nothing. <laughs> like, oh, my God. He shoot the cover off the ball. Number 14, too. Landry Shabbat, he shoot the ball crazy, too. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, man, playing these two teams hard. But I think without full roster and their full roster, it's a big, great game. Both full rosters is an important caveat there, right? The Wolves have not played the Warriors with Draymond Green this season. And they played the Suns tonight without DeAndre Ayton, without Jay Crowder. I'm not sure what Ant's actual answer, like on Truth Serum, would be about who he'd rather play. But I think reading some of the tea leaves to that answer there, <coughs> excuse me, I think <coughs> I think Ant would would agree with those of you who voted on Twitter. It sounded like he'd rather get Phoenix. Either way, a lot of season left before we get there. A big check mark along the way for the rest of the season will be the trade deadline, right? That's kind of the next big thing, which is now somehow less than two weeks away. And and kind of like how we talked last night uh, about Malik Beasley and how there's not an obvious answer of what to do with him, keep him versus trade him. I think looking at Torian Prince going into the trade deadline, trade deadline also opens up like an interesting topic. I first want to point out that Prince has played really well over this five-game stretch without Beverly. His roles increased. He's playing, you know, like 20 minutes a night. And in those five games, Prince has made five of his 10 threes, nine of his 15 twos. I mean, overall, Prince is becoming a part of the Wolves rotation. That makes sense. Now, at the same time, I'm not pretending it's a huge role. I'm not saying five good games should preclude the idea of trading him. But it's a factor. Let's let's lay this out. Okay, Prince is on an expiring $13 million contract, right? There's different ways to look at that type of contract. If you're the Wolves or if you're a team trading for Prince, it's expiring. So the Wolves, you know, themselves, they could could use that relief in the offseason. Either Prince just expires and and walks or maybe they bring him back at a lower rate. Um, You create a little bit of a financial cushion there. 
But another team could see value in that too. You know, while potentially maybe seeing him as a end-of-the-bench playoff rotation piece. But at the same time, it's $13 million. It's not good money for the production you're getting if you're the Wolves or expected production you know, you're trading for. So from a trade perspective, if you're the Wolves thinking about moving Prince, you're, you're probably using him in a trade to match salaries for a 15 to $20 million player. Again, kind of like we were talking about with Beasley last night. And, and getting that type of player is with Prince is, is probably costing you a first-round pick. You know, maybe, maybe a first in a couple of seconds. In any trade of Torian Prince, where you're trying to upgrade the roster at that salary slot, like you're going to be surrendering draft capital. And you, you got you know, you to calculate with that if not only if the guy you're trading for is worth that capital, but if it's Prince, I think you've also, to some degree, got to factor in what you're losing if he goes out. And Prince has been a good stopgap lately. He, he serves a purpose. Over the last five games, the Wolves have a better plus-minus in each of those five individual games with Prince on the floor than when he's off. His contract can be a quote-unquote negative value at $13 million, but it, it can be that without him being an actual negative player. So I guess kind of like I was doing with Beasley last night, I, I guess I'm kind of making or at least highlighting what the cases are for not making a trade. It just doesn't strike me as an obvious move to trade Prince. And obviously, you know, Miles Turner's the one of the name du jours, like attaching multiple first to Prince for someone like Turner is just not that appetizing. I mean, I think you all know how much I like Turner as a player. I just don't think Turner is a no-brainer fit on this roster given how Vanderbilt has ascended. You trade for Turner, you know, you trade for any starting center or power forward, and Vando's role gets chopped. You know, and, and Nas Reed, maybe to a lesser extent of importance, but trade for big and Nas becomes irrelevant. And while, like, doing that, even, you know, chopping Vanderbilt as great as he's been, if you're getting a good player, you know, maybe that Im- improves the team, but there's some opportunity cost there too. And I just don't know if that's worth multiple first-round picks. You Put it like this. If I'm trading Torian Prince and draft capital, I'd like the player they bring back to be a no-brainer fit on the roster. And for me, you know, maybe I haven't spent enough time in the trade machine, but I'm just not, I'm not seeing that to be clear. Personally, I'd be cool with Prince being on this team after the deadline. All right, let's close tonight out with some notes on the game from uh, the prize picks over-unders I made. I made four picks tonight. Went two and two on those picks. Um, just kind of looking at the spread of props tonight, there was there was actually a lot more Suns options than there will, were Wolves options, just given you know the injuries and I guess them not really knowing who was going to play for the Wolves. But I, I was looking at the Suns spread and I saw you know twenty nine and a half points for Devin Booker, and I was like, man, th- these props are normally like right around the players' averages, and I'm like, I don't remember. Booker averaging nearly 30 a game this year. And I looked it up, and Booker's averaging 25 per game this this season. And I understood it was a back-to-back. I understood no Patrick Beverly, but was was that going to be worth five points? It it didn't 
to be fair, it didn't look like it early. I, I think Booker might have had nearly 20 points at halftime, but he did finish the night with just 29 points. Um, so he hit the under there. And just a note, I, I thought it was wild and just kind of like a, a fun thing about this team is who the Wolves have guard, you know, the opponent's best shooting guard and the opponent's best point guard. Like tonight, you saw very first possession, Vanderbilt was matched up on Devin Booker and Jade McDaniels was on Chris Paul. I mean, Vando's 6'9", <laughs> McDaniels like 6'10", against you know, Booker and Chris Paul, or what's Booker, 6'4", Chris Paul's like six flat. Like, it was just a, it's just a funny sight. And I, I would imagine if you're a team playing against the Wolves, you're like, what is this? Uh, another pick I made, uh, Price Picks has also added, uh, I guess they're kind of called combined props, um, where you can combine the total of points, rebounds, and assists for a player. And with Anthony Edwards tonight, that total was set at 31 and a half. So Ant had to combine to, to score 27 or to score points, get rebounds and assists over 31 and a half. Ant had 27 points. He had five rebounds and he had 10 assists. So he smashed that 31 and a half with a 42 combined total there. I started messing around with these combined props a little bit. And I think... I think it's just kind of a more simple way of, of thinking about it. Like, take the over if you think your guy is going to have an above-average game on a combined prop and take the under if you think they'll have a below-average game. Kind of balances things out. And tonight, I was going to bet on Ant on a night where there was no D'Lo, and he did hit that over. On the wrong side of the combined props, I took the under on 22.5 combined points, rebounds, and assists for Bismarck Biombo. Uh, I wanted to bet on a bad Biombo game. You know, thought maybe some foul trouble against Cap, but you know, to Biombo's credit, Chris Paul's credit in the pick and roll, like Biombo played really well. 14 points, 12 rebounds, so he lost that one. Probably the one I, I picked tonight was my the fourth one I felt best about was Mikel Bridges. His over-under on blocks plus steals was just one and a half. I kind of thought that might be a gimme uh, without D'Lo in the lineup, but Bridges didn't have a single steal or a single block, so I missed that one. Two and two on the night overall, 98, 87, and seven for me on these picks on the year. I don't know if these, these combo props are intriguing to you. You already have a prize picks account. Try it out. If you don't have prize picks, um, you can create an account. They have props up for every game, for every sport. So the same sort of over-under type props will be up this weekend for the conference championships in the NFL. If you want to try it out. Uh, if you do, Use the promo code Dane when you sign up. That gets you a $100 sign-up bonus. And it also lets them know that you came from me, which helps just my first name, Dane, for an extra $100 in your account when you do sign up. All right. That's all I got for you tonight. All I got for you this week. Been a lot of games. Four games the past six days, I think it is. I appreciate you listening to all these pods. Even even a bunch of you just uh, listening to the, the Gamer Pod af after the Warriors game in you know, not even 12 hours between when it publishes and uh, when it goes up before you know the back-to-back. -back. That's, that's really helpful for me in uh, just gathering total listeners. Uh, we will be back with another week uh, starting Sunday night against Utah. The Wolves will be back at home for that one. Just looking at you. I, I haven't watched Utah recently. I'll maybe try and watch them tomorrow, but 
just looking up uh, the injury report, Donovan Mitchell has missed Utah's last six games with a concussion, and Rudy Gobert has missed their last three, including tonight, uh, with a calf strain. Concussions, you know, are are funky. There's you have, you know, I guess, forty eight hours until uh, until this game happens on Sunday night. So maybe Mitchell, maybe not Gobert. I, I don't know. Missing even one of those guys would obviously be be big for the Wolves. But we will see. We'll see if Mitchell and Gobert play, and we'll see if D'Lo or Pat Bev are able to make their return from injury too. To be determined. Uh, enjoy your weekend, and I will talk to you on Sunday night. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.